Welcome to the Straight to the Point podcast. Hi, my name is Bo Crable. I am an Amazon seller investor, and I've been lucky enough to be mentored by several millionaire business icons at a very young age, and I took action on their advice. This podcast is all about providing you with the right knowledge to succeed in the online retail business and grow your personal wealth to your maximized potential. Let's get right into it. Selling toys on Amazon why it could be such a potential huge opportunity for you that a lot of people are missing out on. So hey, it's Bill Crable here, and in this podcast episode, I'm going to break down on really kind of the benefits, the how-tos, the pros, and the cons of selling toys on Amazon. Now, the reason why I bring up this episode is because toys, I'm a very confident believer in this, will always be an unsaturated market. Not saying it's always going to be the best market to get into. There's definitely been you know categories and niches that are highly more profitable But the crazy thing about toys is there's always new products being created. Now, most categories on Amazon, there's always new categories being created. But with selling toys, you know, for example, I just got offered a couple of these like Baby Yoda backpacks um, from a couple of my distributors. And I've never heard of Baby Yoda before, but I guess there's this craze going on on this thing called Disney Plus, which I guess Disney, long story short, they... um, I guess six months ago, we're looking to, uh, they actually took off all their movies and content off of Netflix and Netflix freaked out. It's because now they launched their whole thing called Disney Plus, which is um, practically Netflix for Disney. And when people don't realize that Disney actually owns a lot of, you know, content like Marvel and Fox and all these other things. So either way, um, they make their original content series and there's this um, like Baby Yoda thing that they show in the Star Wars series. Right, so I guess it's going viral on social media. There's like memes about it, people tweeting, people Facebooking, Instagramming, a bunch of different things about it, right? So I didn't really understand about it. I started, you know, my support mind sent me over this baby Yoda toy. I looked to check out the numbers. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is about to blow up. And next year, as I'm talking, there's probably gonna be something like that. Now, a few years ago, if you see all these like private label gurus and selling, you know, courses and stuff like that, most of them got into fidget spinners and made money with fidget spinners because anyone with um, a left eye could have just thrown some fidget spinners on Amazon and made some money. Um, and that can happen with toys. You know, I've sold some fads um, in the toy category, such as like kendamas before. And it just seems like toys is just, in the consumers of America, there will always be a fad. Every single year, every holiday season, there's going to be something about, and the reasons why, and it's, it's actually planned. You know, a lot of people think fads are, they just come about and there's just this whole holiday craze or these new trend craze that comes about. But in reality, they're very, 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 very planned. And how they're planned out is by the companies like Hasbro. So when you know Disney and Hasbro are coming out with these Baby Yoda products, it's because Hasbro spends about a quarter of a billion dollars every year on research and development. So when they come out with these new movies, there's a new Marvel movie coming out, a new series and all this stuff yeah it's to make money off the content in the movies but really they make a lot of cash a lot of cash selling accessories selling memorabilia selling toys so they're really playing trends so that's why i love the toy spaces because it's such such an emotional buy you know people like kids watch these shows you know even adults play these video games and everything like that and they're really emotional buys and because of that there's always going to be a new emotional thing that comes up and down so that's why i really want to talk about toys uh, in this podcast episode, and how I'm referring to toys is really two schools of thoughts for selling toys on Amazon. There's the really high profit weighted out 
category that's I would say more like trading stocks where you're like penny trading and there's some really high profitable deals that are going to come now and they may not be here tomorrow. And then there's also the consistent getting exclusive and building up a solid business. Now, both ends, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, but first off, let me talk about the first one is about usually the higher profit and kind of the, you know, what I like to call the opportunity buys with selling toys on Amazon. So if you look at all the, you know, the toy stores throughout America, and the reason why there's such high profitable deals that get popped up, so what I like to call is opportunity buys. I share this in my content and also my book. Um, you can actually check out my book, The Secrets to Sell on Amazon. It just, uh, just got on uh, Amazon as well. So you can feel free to leave it a review as well. Um, but the reason why there's these things called opportunity buys that are higher profitable deals is because of retail, physical, brick and mortar. In a physical retail store, there's only so much space in it. You're confined to 1,000 square feet to 2,000, 3,000. If you're lucky in your Toys R Us and you have 80,000 square feet, which is Toys R Us, or I guess they're trying, to make a, they're trying to make a comeback now, I heard. So supposedly Target bought them up. And Target's a very interesting store. Um, they're always profitable for some reason. But anyway, what happens is when products are not in such demand and not such profitable that they can make it in physical stores, they then go online and create really high profitable markets where there's still slightly demand, but there's not such a peak demand where they can be sold in every single store. That because now there's a new demand that's way higher because let's think about it. You know, people are, there's always a group of buyers that are willing to go get the first year of something and rather get to the second year. So those second years, those other types of products are still in demand and I'm going online, which create, you know, huge um, spreads of profit with that. So with those types of deals, when you're going for those, you're typically going to be dealing with closeout suppliers, typically dealing with vendors that are not always direct distributors. Um, people always say, you know, buying direct from the source is always best. I actually disagree. If you, The reason why, you know, Walmart is such a great company is because they actually don't. I won't, okay, I'm not going to say great company. Um Maybe they're not the most ethical at times, but that's other people's opinion. But no one can face the numbers. No one can argue with them. They're the biggest company on the planet by revenue. Um, they don't always work with direct distributors. They work with secondary distributors. They work with you know a supplier who bought it from another supplier. And sometimes that happens because there's a little more work involved and because there's more profit. Either way, if you're looking for those types of deals, it's really smart, I would say, to actually have that be your main focus when you're first starting out, I've seen a lot of really successful clients of mine who get into opportunity buys at the start. And the reasons for that is because there's just a lot more money into it. And there's, you know, if there's more money into it, typically there's lower risk. So with that, there's a couple things to be cautious of. They're also the most volatile, meaning price could be $20 today and a week from now it could be 15. And then a week after that could be 30. They can go up and down like crazy. So with this, to really have tremendous amount of success is a couple of things. One, be very cautious on your research, making sure that the history that you're looking at on your products um, is very profitable from the cost you're buying at. What I mean by that is that product at one point, at one point had a price that it was selling for and probably selling a lot more units and had the probably lowest price possible. And that was usually probably the retail price, the MSRP. People sometimes don't really sell lower than that. Sometimes they can go a little lower, et cetera. However, try to find out the MSRP for that product. First off, make sure you're making a profit at the MSRP. 
Um, that little small tip right there, making sure you're making a profit at the MSRP will probably save you thousands, thousands of dollars because many people will go out and sell a product. They realize it's making money right now on Amazon, but they don't realize they're making money right now because there's actually some, um, I don't even want to call them suppliers. The wholesalers are very bad term to use for them, but there's actually people out there who call themselves wholesalers that will find actually closeout deals in store. So they'll go to like Ross Dress for Less. They'll find that there's discounts at the Walmart's clearance aisle and they'll literally get these people called runners, which what happens is they like go hire 20, 40, 50 people that are, you know, stay-at-home people or just, you know, their family members say, hey, what I want you to do, I want you to go to your local Ross, I want you to go to your local Walmart, and I want you to go find this product. If it's under this price, go buy it, send it here. And then what people do, they then, they, then you know, 50 people go out, they go find a couple hundred units or they get 2,000 people to come out and they find a few thousand units and they go send them to their warehouse and go from there. It sounds crazy, sounds like a madness, but that actually happens. So the issue with that is all the stock comes off of retail. There's a reason why the price went down. So now when you want to go buy it at wholesale, you don't realize the cost you're buying at is actually way, way higher. Actually, a good example for that is I um, recently just got into... Uh, not using plastic as much as possible. Me and my girlfriend are watching a uh, a series on Netflix called Broken, and they kind of went crazy over uh, how plastic's really bad. I don't realize how bad. Sorry, I didn't. Oh. Sorry, Siri just made some noise on my phone, but I didn't realize how bad you know plastic was. So I actually um, started getting glass water bottles from um, to my house every single day, and then I actually realized, oh my gosh, this glass water bottle is a little more expensive. I was ordering them from Sprouts. So then I realized, hmm, I bet I can buy these at wholesale. And now before you know it, I'm actually in the, uh, might be in the water business. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's not too profitable on Amazon, but it's selling them on eBay quite a bit. But anyway, I realized that the retail price on these glass water bottles um, was still potentially be able to be a profit because I saw they were on sale at a retail store, but the reason they're on sale because there wasn't a lot, of them, a lot of them out there. So either way, first thing you want to understand, if you're going to go down this route, I'm ranting a little bit right now, is make sure you're profitable at the MSRP price. The second layer of protection you need to understand is look at the competitors on Amazon. Look at the amount of inventory they have. And when a product becomes a opportunity buy, and there's a lot, there's an abundant amount of inventory on that listing, that's not a good thing. Because what's going to happen is people are going to lower their price. I will, I will be honest, there's people who lose money on Amazon. And some people say, oh my gosh, I'm just going to cut my losses on this product and get to the next one. And the reason why that happens sometimes is because when there's an opportunity buy, there's either, it's a very uh, interesting medium. There's either way too much of supply that goes out on the market or not enough. When there's too much supply, the price goes down. When there's not enough supply, the price goes up. So you want to definitely be either in that happy medium where there's enough supply, but the price is still up because it's you know, an opportunity buy. Or you're at the point where you have that remaining inventory, so you're controlling the market. That's actually the ideal situation. So that's going to lead to my third point, is that if you are getting into an opportunity buy, if you can set up yourself correctly and successfully as you are able to get to the point where you buy all the inventory on the market, that will lead you to the highest profit amount possible. The reasons why is because you control the inventory. And as long as it's still an in-demand product, actually a good example for this, I had a product I'm not going to say the type of product um, because I'm still selling it that I started off selling it for $25. I was making money off of it, making like $3 a unit. It's not too bad. It was a pretty decent ROI. 
And then I realized I was the only one selling it. That was, you know, there's a couple of people selling it used. I was like, okay, I'm the only one selling it. So I raised my price to 30. I'm still in the buy box. My sales are still pretty much the same. I raised it to 35. Pushing the limit here, still getting sales. So then I, then I raised it to 36, still getting sales. 37, I'm still the only one in stock. 38, I'm like, oh my gosh. Now it's, um, then I realized my supplier says, hey, we just got a few more of these in stock. So now I'm a little worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, do they get any more? They're like, no, 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 no. We're the only one that has these. And I had a pretty good relationship with my supplier. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to send in these thousand. I raised the price to 47, still selling. Then I got to the point where I raised them to 53 until Amazon, um, they did the little thing where if you're selling too high, they kind of take away the buy box. So it shows buy from other options. So then I raised it down to 52, got down to 52.73 and was still making profit and still selling these products. So I went from literally $25 we're making a few bucks a unit to selling it for $52, which I think after fees and everything, we were making, I was like, I don't know, like 20 something dollars, high $20 something a unit. It was crazy. And because of that, it's because I controlled the inventory, controlled the market. I mean, the reason why, you know, people gave Apple a lot of scrutiny for selling their iPhones for like $1,200. Well, it's like, okay, who else is going to compete? You know, there's Samsung. I've had a Samsung before. I had the phone for six months and it stopped working. Now that's because they've just beaten out the entire market. And there's so many deals where I came across actually another deal. Um, there is these uh, God of War video games I was selling. I was making profit. Actually, it was like eight dollars. It was still a really good dollar. I was like eight dollars a unit at selling at twenty seven ninety nine, or might have been twenty seven ninety five. One of those two, and the uh, it was an older God of War game. It was like a PS three, and then the new God of War came out for the PS four. It was selling for sixty dollars. I wasn't selling that, but the demand of God of War just became massively higher. And I realized we started to sell out, and people, other competitors. I had competitors right now on the listing of the God of War, and. People continue to keep selling out. So now I was like, oh my gosh. The people kept raising their price. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep raising my price. And we got to the point where we're selling this game for $43. And the God of War, that's what the max we got to. And it was still selling. It was actually selling higher because the demand was created elsewhere. So that's also can happen to you is let's say, you know, uh, you come across an old Pikachu product in the toy category. And then, you know, the Pikachu movie with Ryan Reynolds comes out, which that literally happened. I had some Pokemon Go products. It started selling faster because a newer version came out. So that's kind of like school of thought one with video, uh, not video games, toys. Um, that can happen with a, just a huge increase in demand. So to recap that, one, make sure you're selling at MSRP. Two, make sure you're selling at a price and check out your competitors. Three, understand if you can buy all the inventory on the market, that is ideal. So now let me get into the other school of thought. Now, before I get into this, I want to let you know that I just came out with my book, uh, the secrets to sell on Amazon. You have two choices. You can go on Amazon.com and buy it for around like $39. Or you can go to bocrebo.com slash book and get it for it's like, uh, you have to pay shipping and handling. So I believe the shipping and handling is like less than $8 or something like that. Gets delivered to your house um, wherever you need to. So you can go there and get it for free. Just pay shipping and handling. So you have two choices. You can go on Amazon if you want to. Feel free to do so. Um, or you can go on my site, bocrebo.com slash book. Um, I'm going to skip out on the Amazon fees doing that because Amazon takes a cut. So uh, go to bowcrabber.com slash book, and you're going to learn everything about A to Z for selling on Amazon um, and guide you through the entire process on where you want to go. So now going into the other side, another school of thought for selling toys is the more, I would say, scalable business route. Me today, you know, I'm doing, the last month we did over uh, half a million dollars in revenue uh, just on Amazon. It was pretty cool. And 
I still do those opportunity buys just because it makes sense. You know, am I going to give up making $20,000? No. I don't think anyone would. So, however, if you really want to scale, and, like most of my revenues come off of, um, you know, still doing normal stock where I'm sourcing out inventory every single day. It's not an opportunity buy. And some people have actually um, have sent me messages before emails saying, Bo, I just can't get it. I just, for some reason, most of my business is still off opportunity buys. I'm like, great. You probably are making profit. They're like, no, it doesn't seem scalable. I'm like, keep doing it. Like, I mean, just keep pouring more and more into it. So that's kind of the issues that people get into. They think they need to transition into selling um, you know, products that sell every single day consistently, which I don't think you always need to. Um, I say the first steps of that is getting into a niche. So I've had some people um, who learned from me. And I, I don't, I mean, my main niche is not toys. I do a lot of revenue off of toys. That's for sure. I have a one supplier of mine that we did over $300,000 of revenue just from a t one toy supplier, which is not even our main niche. However, um, I, I know all about toys. So I've done quite a bit in toy sales. And I would notice that if you want to get into the toy category where you're consistently selling toys every single day, it's going to take, first off, doubling down on the suppliers you're working with in the toy category. What I mean by that is you want to hyper-focus on toys. You either have a partner yourself or yourself hyper-focusing on toys that every single day, and you're going to have to... It's it's interesting. Like you're gonna have to buy opportunity buys. Really, to get to the level of normal stock and selling consistent, reliable inventory, you will need to sell opportunity buys. Just so you then enhance that relationship with that supplier. Now, if you're dealing with a, a distributor, ask them these questions: Do you have normal stock? And if they don't know what you're saying, they probably don't know what they're doing. But say, do you have inventory that you, you know you can get on a consistent basis? Now, with this, what a lot of people don't like about it is because there's a lower ROI. It's a much lower return investment, but it's very, very fast selling. That it's very hard to um, stay in stock for this. So if you come across a normal stock deal after you built a relationship with a spar, after you put in a couple opportunity buys, keep in mind that you know you were just making 100% ROI, 50% ROI, 30% ROI, 200% um, ROI on these opportunity buys. Don't be surprised if you see 17%, or if you see 10%, or if you see 23%. Because, you know, that's good. It's going to sell very fast. A couple of mistakes to avoid and a couple of myths I want to talk about right now is people think you need to make uh, pre-orders to make money with toys. Uh, don't make pre-orders. There's a distributor out there called Entertainment Earth. If you are watching this podcast and you go search, you know, toy distributors, they're probably going to pop up. You're probably not going to make any money with them. They are a pretty big toy distributor that sells to a lot of retail chains and they also sell on Amazon themselves. But they really harp when you sign up for an account. They're like, oh, no, the money's made off pre-orders. Of course they're going to say that. Why would they not want to go take your money right now and then go sell you the product three months down the road? It's pretty good cash flow. Um, so, yeah, don't do that. Also, a myth to go about is people think you cannot sell toys during the holiday season if you're a new Amazon seller. Uh, that's only if you're doing FBM. There's money to be made doing FBM, but uh, do FBA. Um, especially with toys, there's no need to really do FBM for many toy products at all. I've done some FBM on some toy products, but I just want to answer that myth right away. So with uh, getting into the consistent normal stock processes, the really the, the platforms to really get into that is you need to be able to get in contact with the vendors first. Um, I share many strategies of finding suppliers inside my training programs, but the first thing is really getting into those opportunity buys and just continue to keep asking those suppliers on very specific types of toys. So be like, hey, 
do you have Hasbro toys or do you have specific dolls or do you have um, RC little cars or do you have um, X, Y, and Z, right? So get very specific on either the brand or get very sp specific on the types of toys you're going to selling. And that's going to help you to lead to your spots to be able to help you out with that. So that's the episode on selling toys. Feel free to check out all the other episodes I got on Straight to the Point. Make sure to leave some reviews. Check me out on social media and see you in the next episode. So you want to become an Amazon seller. What is the best way to get started? I get this question all the time saying, Bo, you know, how does this business model work? Like what are the first steps? How do I find suppliers? How do I find products? Where are suppliers found? How do I build relationships with suppliers? How do I get ungated? How do I sell in restricted categories and brands? How do I utilize software? What are the rules for selling Amazon? And how can I actually scale? Now, perfect for you, I've actually put together a free four-day training they can get free access to. And all you need to do is go to onlineretailmastery.com. That's all you need to do, just right there. And just got to put in your email, make sure it's a real email because I'll send it to you directly. And you're going to get access to that four-day training where you're going to learn about that. So day one, I'm going to be covering about the business model and you know the ideal products to sell, how to research those products. Uh, day two, going over relationships with suppliers, finding suppliers, automating with software. Day three, going over about ungating, suspension prevention, managing your Amazon account. And also on the last day, we're going over about scaling and how to really get started and go to the next steps. So if you want to get all that answered for you, my four-day training put a lot of time into it. And I understand that you're going to go through this and learn a lot of massive value in regards to selling on Amazon. So go to onlineretailmastery.com, put in your information, and start to watch. And it's not too long to go through. It's like 20 to 30 minutes a day. Um, some of the times it gets as high as like 40 minutes. But yeah, go to onlineretailmastery.com. That's O N. L-I-N-E-R-E-T-A-I-L-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode. The feedback has just been tremendous so far. I'm loving it. And I'd love it if you just took the next 30 seconds of your time to do me a quick favor. Please go ahead and leave a five-star rating and drop your number one takeaway from this episode inside whatever podcast platform that you're using. This is really just like a virtual pat on the back for me to continue to keep pumping out free content. Thank you so much and see you on the next episode.